MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. I'm chatting with Dr. Andreas Nierhuis. He's a partner automotive and mobility, climate and sustainability at Olivia Wayman. Andreas, appreciate the time today. You and your colleagues recently put together a report, Shared Mobility's Global Impact. And one of the numbers that really jumped out is that shared mobility in Africa expected to double by 2030 and ultimately be worth almost 8 billion US dollars. This is going to be a giant industry across the continent. Well, yes, it's a very exciting time to look at shared mobility in Africa given its growth and the technological developments that we can see currently and that we are about to see in the future. So yes, relatively speaking, it's going to be a massive increase and it's going to be a big and attractive market for all sorts of participants and also for the end consumer. Globally speaking, obviously, there's still a catch-up game to do. Mm-hmm. On the global scale, the market is by far larger and still growing, but we see very strong growth, particularly in the African region. And a lot of this is going to be driven, as you say, we're coming off a low base within the African continent, but we also we've, we've got a bunch of mega cities that are going to drive this, new cities that are going to become mega cities and are going to help drive this huge growth going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, where does the full potential of shared mobility solutions truly unfold? It's within densely populated areas, so within mega cities, and we see above-average growth of megacities and metropolitan areas on the African continent. So this is basically the perfect playing ground to establish more sustainable and more social solutions to get people from A to B. So it's a perfect place to establish these new forms of transport. You mentioned the getting to A to B. I mean, one of the things in Africa is that often cities don't have very efficient public transport and you know, car ownership is, frankly, out of reach of many people. This, in many ways, is going to help drive economies within the continent. Yeah, I fully agree. And there's still one thing we need to keep in mind that shared mode of transport is more efficient than privately owned. Yeah. Although there's obviously a convenience advantage most of the time if you own your own car, But once you're stuck in traffic, this convenience diminishes. (laughs) We still need to make sure that the new services are catering towards all sorts of parts of our society and especially helping people who do not have access to mobility at the current stage Mm -hmm. to get from A to B and not just cater to the top 1% to have an even more convenient way to travel, right? And it's important to combine all sorts of transportation modes and services to make really the best for all of us. And also another big net win is, I mean, it creates jobs for the ride-hailing drivers. Many of these drivers might have skills, but they simply can't get employed. And in many cases, these jobs are paying better than comparable jobs that they could potentially get. Yeah, so the ride-hailing driver makes up a large portion of the job opportunity that will emerge and is currently emerging in the shared mobility industry. And we took a very close look within our Oliver Wyman study on how these jobs are to be evaluated. And on the one hand, you have to look at the, at the pure financials and mm-hmm. ride-hailing drivers have the possibility to earn well above minimum wage or comparable wage, whatever applies more in some countries we don't have for minimum wage. So we looked at comparable wage for equally qualified jobs. And one thing that really sticks out is that drivers who want to work in the ride-hailing industry, they need to get access to vehicles. Otherwise, the attractiveness and the financial opportunity of the job 
get smaller. So the regulatory entities, but also the large mobility service providers, they need to come together to offer or to enable drivers to own a vehicle or finance a vehicle yeah. or lease a vehicle to do their job. Yeah, my next question is going to be around challenges or perhaps ideals, and that was certainly one of them, the cost of the vehicle for the driver. The other is investment into road infrastructure. I mean, yeah, in, in the heart of the yeah. cities, it's probably there, but more broadly, there's a lot of infrastructure challenges as well that needs to be addressed across the continent. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very critical point, especially if you look at the mobility ecosystem as a whole, and you, you're not talking only about personal car-related mobility services, but mm-hmm. also want to include e-bikes and yeah, uh, micro-mobility solutions. It doesn't really make sense to talk about these and say they're attractive for the society if you don't have the infrastructure in place to ensure safe travel, right? If you don't have bike lanes or sidewalks mm-hmm. that help people commute independent of a car, then obviously there's something the regulator needs to, needs to help develop to foster this entirety of the mobility ecosystem. We'll leave it there. That's Dr. Andres Nihas. He's from Oliver Weinman. Andres, I really appreciate the time today. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider.